This is episode number 11 of the School of Success podcast series with the amazing and truly inspiring sleep consultant and author of 7pm to 7am sleeping baby routine, Charmian Mead. Welcome to the School of Success podcast series. My name is Melanie Pritchard, former lawyer turned success coach and corporate wellbeing trainer. And each month, we bring you an inspiring person and message to help you discover the tools for creating happiness in the widest sense. Tanya Mass said, Motherhood is a constant battle of wanting to go to bed early so you can catch up on sleep and wanting to stay awake so you can enjoy some peace and sanity. We have a very special guest on today's episode, Charmian Mead baby sleep consultant and acclaimed author of 7pm to 7am sleeping baby routine on a mission to educate people that becoming a parent doesn't have to mean sleep deprivation. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the key pain points that new parents face, the most common struggles that run through the inner monologue of new mum's minds. The pros and cons of having a baby during the COVID pandemic. And the surprising impact of birth on men. We'll also be discussing the impact of birth-related chemicals on new mum's brains and bodies. Why teamwork is so important between couples of newborns the rise of single sex and solo parenthood. And finally, we'll be busting myths around controversial subjects like breastfeeding and why some babies seem to sleep much better than others. I'll also be giving some top tips and inside scoop and insights that I picked up from watching Charmian support my sister as a baby sleep consultant when she had her newborn Felix three years ago. I hope you guys are as excited as I am about this episode. So without further ado, let me introduce you to the one, the only, Charmian Mead. Welcome to the School of Success podcast, Charmian. It's wonderful to have you here. Oh, it's lovely to be here. Um, just a little disclaimer for everyone listening. I discovered the lovely Charmian when she helped my twin sister with her first baby, Felix. And um, I was quite sort of blinkered about the sort of job that Charmian does. And um, I have to say the whole experience was so positive. It completely changed my view of her profession and how essential and valuable it is. But I won't say any more. I would love you just to give us a little bit of insight, Charmian, into what it is that you do. Uh, well, I suppose you must have thought that I was a bit of a luxury item, <laughs> didn't you? Exactly. Yeah. I think, I think. well, I used to have this a lot. So I used to have people, because um, everyone stops you with a pram. And of course, I'd always go out, take the baby out for a walk. 
I don't have time for that anymore because I'm usually on the phone consulting these days. But um, everyone used to stop. And then it would be this whole thing of, um, oh, is it your first? And then I have to explain it's not my baby. And they'd like, oh, does the mum not want to look after the baby themselves? Yeah. So there was, you know, definitely people used to think of it as a, as a luxury. But I think, you know... Um, of course, I'm a newborn sleep consultant and I started off nannying maternity nurse, which has led me to doing what I'm doing now. Mm. But, you know, I think with um, the way that we live these days and not having, you know, lots of family around to support, um, then, yeah, I mean, it's valuable. It's an investment, I think. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the kind of clients that you work with, Charmian, what, what is sort of like a a typical client? Is there a typical client? Because as I said to you, you know, I thought it was um, all sort of, you know, middle class, you know, luxury. Um, well, I think that there isn't a typical client anymore. There used to be. And I think mainly because uh, my job is based on referrals. So um, because you're getting referred to friends the whole time, then they tend to be the same type of person. Yeah. But it tends to be, you know, organised uh, people, uh, generally professional people. Mm. Um, and that's what it was like for the, I'd say, the first 20 years of doing this. But since my book's been released and I'm now opened up to remote help, then it's, you know all walks of life from 20s to late 40s often I'm a present yeah um so you know present from grandparents or sisters and absolutely um, brilliant yeah and what would you say the main benefits are for someone who's really cynical about you know sleep consulting for babies what would you say the main benefits are that people really rave about I think understanding that you don't that having a baby doesn't need to mean sleep deprivation and I think it's, I think, <laughs> I think, of course, you have to feed your baby through the night, but you don't have to be up for hours and hours. And I think understanding your newborn or your baby's needs with digestion, understanding breastfeeding, lactation, all of that, that has a massive impact on sleep. Mm. And yes, there are people that can go through their whole breastfeeding journey on you know surviving on three hours sleep and that's fine for them but other people can't it can lead to mental health issues yeah. it can lead to relationship issues and it's unnecessary unnecessary um yeah you know part of um, parenting if you meet your baby's every needs then they will sleep absolutely that literally sounds like a miracle cure I mean I haven't got children yet as you know Charmian but um I know that even without children, if I don't sleep well, it definitely affects my mental health. Really, really has a knock on impact. And mine. Yeah. And mine. So I don't know how frankly I mean, new parents do it when they're, you know, repeatedly struggling. So I think that that really is, Um, I mean, just to put it into context for people, my sister's baby, Felix, was waking up once in the night from, I think, um, three days in with Charmian's help. And I literally could not believe it. And so, so positive was her experience that she said she'd go to a sort of mother's meeting with other new mums. And she'd have to really kind of zip her mouth when they were all like, God, I'm just on my knees with fatigue. I'm exhausted. I'm up all night. And she was sitting there thinking, God, I feel really bad, but I'm not even really that tired. <laughs> no, and she was sleeping during the day because, of course, Felix was sleeping beautifully <coughs> day and night. Yeah. Just because he was well fed. <clears throat> and I think, you know, the focus on digestion 
is really important here for the newborn stage. Mm. Um, and if you've got, if your baby's digestion is, is, is working well and they're comfortable, then they will sleep. Um, so yes, I think a lot of mums that I help certainly don't uh, keep quiet about their experiences. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I think you've just touched on something so important, which I think is particularly key in respect of mental health and mental illness, because people often don't share, do they? This is, these are some of the trickier sides of giving birth of post having a baby and especially with social media which often paints a picture of perfection how, how do you find that impacts mums do you do you kind of get wind of their inner monologues and what and the realities of what they're going through versus what you know they might paint to the outside world or not not share um yeah I, I well actually I see quite a lot of mothers sharing their struggles on Instagram yeah um so I think it's kind of um there seems to be two extremes mm-hmm. of, you know, mothers sharing um, massive struggles, um, which of course is normal. And then others, you know, just showing how amazing everything is and sort of, you know, have a bit of a facade. Yeah. Um, but you but you don't really know. I mean, there are women that um, can get up you know, five times a night and look amazing on it and it doesn't really affect them and others, it does. Hmm. So I think, um, yeah, I do. I actually think there's quite a balance when it look, when you look at parenting on Instagram, there is, there's a balance. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. They can be kind of two extremes, can't it? Um, Hmm. yeah, very good point. Something else, Charmy, and I don't know if this resonates with you, but I've got a friend and, um, we're talking about, um, you know, sleep consulting and the work that you do. And he said that he can always tell at work which couples have used a sleep consultant because they they still their relationship is isn't maybe as um, impacted Fault. as yeah it isn't as <laughs> under, under such strain because they're they're sleeping well so they're getting on better and it kind of helps optimize your romantic relationship. Is that something that you you've noticed in your work? Absolutely, I think if you're sleep deprived, it all becomes a bit tetchy and you become yeah. a bit short with each other because you yeah. take you know, it always gets taken out on the one you love, doesn't it? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I generally see the first time that I go in with um, a couple with their first baby that it's all very lovely and very supportive. And then second time round, it's quite tetchy. But, you know, the longer mm. you are getting up in the night and you're a body that can't cope with that, then, yeah. you know, um, then, you know, you do get tired and you do get... Um, short with people of course um especially the husband <laughs> yeah well both of you yeah and that's a that's but... a really interesting point Charmian because you know we we talk a lot about god it's so hard being a woman the hormones being you know mums or maybe working mums and you know, what about men what are your thoughts on the impact on men of you know having a baby and growing a family well I think it affects both parents and of course you can't take away from um a mother's experience with her whole body changing, giving birth, and then having to feed a, a, a mother's body is going through a lot, mm. not physically, hormones, mentally, but also, of course, it affects um, the father and, and men or even, you know, um, a partner because the, the dynamics of the family shifts and the responsibility and typically you know the ma- the the father or partner becomes the main breadwinner which then puts a lot of pressure on them they have to adjust their 
um, role in the relationship. So they sort of take a second, a, a back seat to the baby, and that can be a hard shift. And yeah. certainly, I've seen, you know, quite a few men, not as many as as um, mums, but I have seen men go through postnatal depression, mm. um, having having a baby. So it can affect both both sides. But I think because there's so much focus on the mum, yeah. generally the dad has to get get on with it or, you know, take a backseat emotionally from what's going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's intense during the newborn stage, you know. It does it does get better and it gets um it does level out, especially when you start getting sleep, but it is an intense time. Yeah. Gosh, I really must be and in terms of um postnatal depression, I'm really glad that you mentioned that because Again, maybe it's something we could all learn a bit more about. What are some of the, what are some of the signs of that? And and do you notice different manifestations in men versus women? Things to watch out for. Um, I think, I think Jen. I mean, the own the postnatal depression that I've experienced with families is generally um, uh, women and uh, mother and fathers that have had anxiety and postnatal depression previously. Mm-hmm. So if you had that before, then you're more susceptible to it, basically, okay. because of the hormone change, because of the shift in relationship yeah. and the pressure. So it's more likely to, uh, you know, to appear during those early months because mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. But I do find that when I'm working personally with families, that it's unlikely to happen because I think that sleep deprivation has a massive impact mm. on um, postnatal depression. Also, yeah. anxiety. If you have a routine and you know where you are and you've got set feeds and you know when your baby's going to be waking, you know when your baby's going to be sleeping, and you can get into that pattern. That also helps. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think anxiety, if you have anxiety um, naturally, then yep. you are more likely to have anxiety and postnatal depression afterwards, mm. you know, post, post-baby, post-birth. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just being aware of, you know, what's going on. It's it's common to have baby blues and it's common to have, um, you know, an emotional adjustment on both sides where you're both quite teary and you're both up and down. Yeah. But I think I also think that's a good sign. You know, generally I walk in through the door and the mum's cried on me twice within the first hour. <laughs> I love that. It's a good thing because it's actually yeah. coming out. Yeah, absolutely. So, sure. yeah. Totally. I remember, I'll never forget Charmy, and you know I do obviously like mental health training for companies and I was at um at one company and um, one bloke really bravely opened up about how much he'd struggled with his mental health and it was all triggered by um watching his wife's traumatic birth and he, mm. his eyes welled up and he actually started a support group at work, a massive company and I thought good on you mate because you know we just don't hear about um the other side do we and I was talking to a male no. friend recently and saying you know gosh it must be so stressful having children and, and he said oh it's... <laughs> slightly controversial he said oh it's more stressful for the man and I said oh why is that and he said because of the pressure of yeah being the breadwinner um, whether that's right or wrong you know obviously very subjective but it was interesting getting that male insight just as you said yeah absolutely and I find that um a lot of women would not they'd sort of say oh you know get on with it kind of thing because uh, compared to what I've gone through yeah (laughs) yeah, that's nothing yeah but it you know you can't compare it does it it does have an impact absolutely and I think I remember um from my sister's experience I think one thing that I remember hearing that I thought was really awesome that that you did was you kind of encourage if you're working with a couple um 
you know, the other partner to get involved and be involved. I think there were moments of maybe tetchiness between Elmi and Hujay. And, and I think I remember <laughs> Elmi saying, oh, you know, Charmian's great because she'll be like, come on, guys, you're a team. And I think that's really positive because it builds in this really collaborative sort of model to something that is Absolutely. really stressful. I mean, I mean, that is the that has been the positive coming out of COVID in the last two years for me is now I usually I'd sort of see the dad. <laughs> he, he'd come in for the, the bath time feed um, and, and that would be it. Or if I'm working remotely with families, it's, it's the mum that I'm always talking to. Now, yeah. I'd say that every single family that I'm working with, I'm working with both parents, wow. which is lovely because they are both on board. And it's great for mum because it's it can be quite isolating as a new mum. Yeah. You know, and now if you've got you've got a team handling uh, the pressure of feeding um, or your worries and you're working as a support group in yourself, then it's, you know, yeah. it's it's so much so much better and it's great for dads as well because they're more involved and you know what they were you know typically missing out on um you know they, they're getting bonding time and joy from it themselves absolutely I think a lot of men really don't you know previously thought that newborns were just little animals they didn't really do very much and bonding was slightly delayed and mm. now it's you know it's great to have the team working together. Absolutely. I love that, the way you call it a support team. I mean, there's definitely been a shift, hasn't there, from I think both my dad and OJ's dad, my sister's husband's dad, have both sort of said, gosh, OJ's great. He's very hands-on because it just wasn't that way in their day. So they've obviously no. seen seen that shift that you speak of. And I don't know if you can relate to this, Charmaine, but I certainly have um, a few friends with newborns and um, obviously occasionally, you know, obviously women do moan about, you know, their husbands and I'm sure vice versa. Um and um, I've got like, there's sort of one school of thought for maybe a couple of my friends who are like, you know, you just have to reduce your expectations and just realise that you have to do it all as a woman. And, you know, men just aren't minded that way. Um, and then I have other friends who are like, no, 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 it's really important to express your needs. And, um, you know, um, yeah, and not sort of enable kind of more old fashioned behaviours. Do you have like a, do you have any thoughts on that? Obviously, there's no right answer. Well, I think it depends on the person, really, to yeah. be honest. And I think that um, some fathers literally can't put their babies down and others are too scared to hold them. I think it's important that, you know, you both have your responsibilities and share the responsibility as much as possible because yeah. you have brought a child into the world together. Yeah. And I think it's great for bonding. I encourage both so uh, both parents to do skin on skin to help with bonding. For mums, it's great for boosting milk supply, but it's a great bonding session for dad. Um, and I also encourage dads to do the bedtime bottle. Part of my routine, even when you're breastfeeding, is to introduce a bottle in the early weeks because milk depletes throughout the day. Mm -hmm. So I always try and get dads involved in that, if nothing else, that bedtime bath which gives mum a break and gives them their time together but okay. I do see I do think it depends on the person yeah um and that works with mums I see you know I'm I could be working with a family who you know the dad is like um, more physical with the baby and a mum can be you know not wanting to feeling like they're holding it wrong yeah. um so it you know it can work either way but um 
I think it's easier for men to actually take a step back when you're breastfeeding because they they can also feel like they're not involved and they can also feel like they they you know they they have no part of it because it's all consuming with um breastfeeding but I think yeah. encouraging it is a really um is is a good thing but yeah. I think it depends on the person definitely um yeah and that b word um I remember when we chatted before, um, you know, you said that breastfeeding can be really tough for women and there's maybe quite a lot of pressure that women put on themselves. Um, what are your what are your thoughts around breastfeeding and the kind of struggles that women might go through or the, the sort of, you know, more sort of negative inner monologues? Do you have any sort of tips? Should women always do it? And is it not right for some women? What are your, what are your views? Well, I think I'm I'm very much fed is best because a happy mum, happy baby, a thriving baby is always best. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am massively pro breastfeeding, and 99% of families that I help actually breastfeed and breastfeed successfully. Mm. But it's the information surrounding breastfeeding, like there's you know in, misinformation, like your breast will produce what your baby needs, which is utter rubbish. Okay. We are all born, you know, with. Um, well, your experience from one baby to the next can be different, but you are your breast can only do what your body is capable of doing. Mm. And there are ways to promote that, as in, you know, how you start lactation and how you start your breastfeeding journey can, you know, very much impact your overall um, supply and breastfeeding uh, journey throughout. Mm. Um, but it's hard work. It is hard work. Yeah. It's not. It's not easy. You know, you are often you are born with a baby's appetite much bigger than your supply, and it takes weeks to build up. Um, and I think understanding your breasts and understanding how they work, um, and understanding your baby's appetite and digestion will really impact how successful you are at breastfeeding and I think the advice mm. these days is just feed on your demand and your baby will tell you when it needs to be fed and I think that can be unhelpful because that's great at the beginning because it doesn't put any pressure on you yeah. but what happens is, is you're unli- unlikely to carry on because you don't understand how your breasts are working your personal supply the way your milk flows mm. and your baby's digestion so I think um yeah, and and it's also emotional because I think you're set up to think that uh, formula is the devil, mm. and and that you're a bad mother if you don't breastfeed. But you're sent out with that information that that's what you've got to do without any practical advice of understanding how to do it, yeah. how how your breasts work, and how you can get the best out of your breasts. I love that how you can get the best out of your breasts. That sounds like something men well, would also be interested in. <laughs> Your breasts are your third brain. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I love some of these slogans. I feel like that's a book title, Charmian. Discuss. Brilliant. Um, so, Charmian, that's really interesting. As you say, like, we're not, as women, we're maybe not taught how to do this stuff. And it can cause immense stress not knowing how to, like, wind a baby, breastfeed. Yeah. When to put them to bed is a routine important, isn't it? Um, so, in terms of, like, what you do, like, talk me through, like, your sort of the day-to-day. Do you kind of brief mums before you turn up? Or do you kind of turn up and talk them through it as you go? Like... How does the day-to-day work in reality? 
Well, I used to just turn up and then sort of uh, teach on the go, but now it's about if you book me for maternity, you have you start with the book, mm-hmm. and then you start, and then remote help, and then I will come in and um, see everything for myself. Mm-hmm. But because of the book and because of the remote help, I can do a lot. Mm. um just with that actually so sometimes mm-hmm. the baby's practically sleeping through the night before i've arrived yeah. um but um yeah i mean i oversee everything i'm pretty hands-on even with latching and testing milk supply expressing all of that wow. so i you know i oversee everything and teach techniques from winding to swaddling um, test a baby's digestion which is really important as well because mm. every baby will have a different type of digestion a burping pattern for instance which can make a massive difference yeah to how yes. much milk they take and how much they sleep yeah um so yeah i'm i'm you know i'm very hands-on sounds amazing <laughs> i definitely want to book you in if i have children and how far in advance do couples need to book you charmian because it's a bit of an unknown beast what you do it's a bit different to the usual day job yeah, well, if you're booking for maternity, which I'm sort of steering away from these days, um, just because 27 years of doing it has a massive physical impact on me. So, yeah. Um, but that would be six to nine, eight months in advance, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think more than 50% of my work now is done remotely or some kind of parenting package where you can book a month before. Mm-hmm. Um, doing, you know, packages like a five-day remote plus a home visit, and they work really well. Brilliant. Really, that sounds great. Yeah. So, you know, you said you're moving away from maternity. Um, tell me more. That sounds um, interesting. How's that going to be looking? Well, I think with COVID, it's, um, it's just shown me how well it could work because I think I've been on a run of 26 years of people booking so far in advance. I've never given myself the opportunity to do it fully. So I probably deal with about five families a week. Um, Normally, but since COVID and I stopped my maternity bookings um, for, uh, you know, I did a few, but, um, um but then it really sort of showed how successful it could be and how it's taken off which is great and that's the direction I need to go in because 27 years you know I'm lifting babies it's bad on my back and yeah. bed hopping going from one family's bed to my bed and also maintaining my own relationship you yeah. know it's um working away is it's really physical it's really challenging I bet and also being in people's personal spaces at such an intense time that must be you're obviously a sensitive person because you're very good at what you do you must absorb quite a lot of that intense emotion around you oh I do um it is it's so emotional yeah it's really emotional so I do have to make sure that I'm working with the right person Hmm. um so they know exactly you know what's happening and how it works which is um important to me But even, you know, for instance, now, if I'm going to a job, I'm literally in my car, I've got my own pillow, I've got my mattress topper, I've got got a car full of stuff to make myself comfortable. But emotionally, you never know what you're going to go into. And obviously, when you've had a baby, this, you know, um, it, it can be it can be difficult. I'm regularly used as an emotional punch bag. I bet. I was, yeah. Very brave. Um, I'm not sure I would be brave enough to enter people's homes at such a 
tender time. Yeah, take my hat off to you. So when you say you're moving away from maternity, it's more from the kind of um, physical in-person service and more like a mix of remote and maybe some physical um, contact with the client. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I mean, I will always keep my hand in and do a few jobs, maternity jobs a year because I love it. Yeah, you know, this has never been for financial gain. My book was never for financial gain. It's always because I'm so maternal. I love what I do, yeah. and I love making a difference, and I love helping parents on their you know, getting set up and getting a really good start hmm. and and that just means the world to me it also helps me live out my maternal instinct not having you know children myself which is incredibly sad for me so I hmm. will I don't think I will ever give this up fully I just can't do back to back um yeah work so you know absolutely and I love um, what you say there Charmian because you know fertility um quite a lot of my friends have said this, particularly friends who have struggled with fertility, that there's such a strong narrative in society, isn't there, around having babies and, you know, oh, being yeah. the pinnacle of being a woman, you're successful once you've got a baby and you're part of this sort of exclusive club, so many superlatives, there's no love like a mother's love. Um, like, what's your view on that? How have, how have you found that yourself? Well, I find it um, really emotional and distressing for me because... Mm. The, the whole reason that I went into this line of work in the first place was for love of children and babies. And I had an incredible relationship with my mother and I know what a mother and daughter and a mother and father relationship is. And I've got siblings that have got children. Um, so it's heartbreaking for me, absolutely heartbreaking. But I'm just so blessed that I can do a job where I'm surrounded by babies and children. Mm. But um, yeah, but sadly, it's never never happened for me so yeah you do feel I kind of I think what happened to me in the last year because of hitting perimenopausal as well is the realization that it there wasn't even an option anymore and then trying to adjust to that like what's my purpose Mm. what is my purpose I don't have any children what am I going to do with my life and not really seeing my work as you know, or of course it's personal to me, but what am I going to do in my personal life? How is this going to unfold? Yeah. And it's it's um, it's emotional, and I'm still sort of getting to terms with it now. You know, totally. but at least I have, you know, I have my job, and I have, you know, I'm I'm dealing with lots of babies and lots of children, and I've got families that stay with me for years. I bet, um, which is lovely. Absolutely, and it's it's so good to hear you share openly about that Charmian because I think it's something something that so many women experience um and yeah I think it's certainly clients that I work with seem to find great fulfillment um particularly the ones who want to do jobs that do make a difference in the yeah. way that you do and wow boy do you make a difference that's for sure um so in terms Charmian about sort of obviously you work with babies and newborns do you work with any other children or is it all just newborns and is it is it all couples or is it is it sort of more single you know women having babies on their own now what's sort of going on in terms of those profiles for you um well I work with all ages so generally work up to the age of five but I say typically on a day-to-day basis it's between the age of naught to three years Uh so uh, I think consulting wise it's probably more like anywhere from four months to two years um Hmm. but yeah with a range of issues from you know, weaning, sleep, routine, digestion, 
toddler behavior. Well, toddler behavior. And that sounds like a minefield. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> it is. But it's so <laughs> but it's so lovely because you can mold a toddler's behaviour and it's just so I love toddlers. It's one of wow. my favourite ages. I bet you're really good um, with them because you're you're firm but fun. Uh, yeah. Very fun but yeah. firm. Yeah. And then you know totally. they feel secure with that totally. and happy at the same time. Yeah. Um <laughs> but with um yeah, I mean I'm yeah, I have same sex clients, um partnerships and the right way to put it I don't think it is um single parents mm-hmm. S- still mostly it's you know mum and dad couples but um it's definitely opening up yeah brilliant that's good to hear it's lovely to hear how you know the ages are changing really and um oh, yeah in terms of um obviously you mentioned like you know old slightly older children what do you think the kind of dream is is it best to ideally book someone like you in and have you in like my sister did from literally day two got another friend who used you and I think you came in kind of later on like months after she had her baby what what's the kind of optimum result would you say if you were advising someone on this topic well I always think it's best to start as you mean to go on so yeah. if you start um a routine so you don't then have to uh change your baby's routine or world around it at a later date that's going to be much better for them basically you're not yeah. putting them under any distress I don't <clears> believe in sleep training so I think sleep training is you've you've taught your baby one way and then you're changing it. Yeah. Now obviously some some babies will have sleep regression. You might have to do a bit of sleep training, but I would li- I I like to start as I mean to go on and start teaching positive associations with sleep um, by focusing on your day routine. So it progresses yeah. rather than regresses. Um, so booking in the early weeks is a really good thing whether you do that remotely or physically that that works better in my book yeah that that makes perfect sense yeah I love the way you keep on repeating the word routine because even you know mental health wise I'm always surprised that even if people struggle with really serious mental health issues routine is such a well-being booster for everyone whether it's baby middle-ager or elderly person absolutely so a child that doesn't have a routine will end up feeling uh insecure yeah you know boundaries are there for a a reason and it keeps babies and children feeling secure they know where they are they know what's going on yeah Um, and that's that's a good thing it's not a negative totally I love that boundaries are good things boom totally agree yeah um and in terms of this might be a silly question Charmaine but in terms of like the hormonal impact on a woman who's pregnant or just had a baby like how does it affect a woman and is it the same for all women no, not necessarily. Of course, there'll be a hormone shift and change, especially with um, pregnancy, giving birth, and then the shift afterwards. Mm. But I think some some women uh, feel everything and are quite emotional, and they can feel uh, the change going on, and others don't. So I think yeah. it depends how sensitive you are as a person, really. Yeah. Uh, and you, it, it doesn't mean to say if you weren't sensitive at the, uh, before you got pregnant, it doesn't mean to say that you're still going to carry on like that. You could become extremely sensitive to your hormones, you know, post-birth. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it, it's changeable. Um, mm. But I think, again, sleep does help, oh, yeah. you know, deal with all those changes. I listened to a podcast recently on with a sleep specialist and they said some amazing phrase that really stuck with me. It was something like sleep is the bedrock bedrock of well-being. You know, if you get mm. that right, everything else flows with greater ease, doesn't it? 
Absolutely. Your yeah. body has to recover. Your body and your mind need to recover. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I think we've covered the different stresses between for men and women. Um, that's really good that you touched on that. And you've obviously covered the different dynamics when you return to families that maybe there's a bit less, um, I don't know, um, sensitivity. The novelty's worn off. Yeah, the novelty's worn off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. And you mentioned COVID, Charmian, which is interesting and how it's been obviously very good in some ways for parents being together. That's really lovely to hear, a positive there. Um, what's What do you think the impact has been of COVID for like newborns um, or even like, you know, toddlers and slightly older children? Have you noticed any patterns i don't think the newborns because all they need is being fed and their mother basically and father oh. and a warm bed basically mm-hmm. uh, but i think for the toddler age it's impacted my i have a nephew that's a toddler and uh well actually i compared him to a few others so he is quite an independent little chap so he went out in the world he was they were all uh, my my sister and sister-in-law and brother and family were all self-isolating they live out in the country Uh and when he was released into the world he basically you just couldn't keep him down he was just investigating going everywhere you know if there was a dog he was had fearless completely fearless basically and I thought well that's interesting because I would have thought that he would have been quite sensitive and quite shy around you know, new people, and he was—he wasn't. He was the opposite way. But I haven't mm. seen a lot of, you know, parents that I work with having to take their children to nursery for the first time, and it being um, a huge deal because they haven't even been socialising with friends. Yeah. Um, oh. But I think, I think if you know, within the first couple of years, I think once exposed to um outer influences and um um uh, uh what am i trying to say uh, <laughs> uh not outer influences once you open up to the the world and you start socializing again then it all evens out yeah um but i think you know i think during the newborn stage it's minimal i think more for parents um than babies to be honest because during covid you know that mums weren't able to get out and socialize and that was difficult yeah absolutely it's reassuring to hear that children you know bounce back because i mean in many ways adults have probably experienced similar struggles haven't they exactly absolutely um and it's funny, I've, I've got um, a couple of friends who I think, again, haven't heard about sleep consultants and they were sort of thinking back to the, you know, the good old fashioned days, I think, when you had like night nurses sleeping in with a baby and doing all the work oh, yeah. and the mum in another room. That's not how it is, is it, really? Like, that's not what you no. do. Oh, well, you can still get that. I yeah. think a lot of maternity nurses would uh, still, and uh, night nannies and maternity nurses work that way, but that's not how I work. Hmm. And I probably work a little bit different to most sleep consultants as well because I focus on the newborn stage where a lot will actually just focus on four to six months plus. Yeah. So I my role is teaching, and I'm teaching my own methods, which, you know, um, promote sleep you know with a with a with daily routine rather than focusing on the night yeah so it is pretty hands-on you know I can't do it for you because if I do it for you then you know I leave and then you, yeah, you can't yeah. implement the routine it won't work totally so yeah 
that so makes it's, perfect it's a sense. Teaching role. That makes perfect sense, yeah. and I prefer that because to me, um, that sounds more empowering. Because you know, it's very easy to stick a plaster on it and you just do the work. But at the end of the day, babies need their mums, don't they? And you're empowering them with the skills that they can then have the confidence to go off and continue that. Exactly. Otherwise, you never get anywhere. You just get some rest. Yeah. Quite expensive rest. It's expensive um, rest. And that... <laughs> exactly. <it>. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and this might be a, another silly question, Charmian, but why do you think some children are harder than others? Do, do you think some children are harder than others? Or do you think it's just that some mums are, this is a controversial thing to say, but sort of better than other mums? Because, you know, sometimes you do get well, the they're sort not, of tricky not better, well, it's, it's all about, you know, what, what you know, doesn't it? That's yeah. the thing. So if you're looking, I mean, the newborn, the newborn stage is as different to the toddler stage as the baby stage. So you've got three different stages here. Yeah. So uh, there's no, no newborn better than any other newborn, but it's their digestion. So the digestion <clears throat> is the gut is sensitive. So the more sensitive the gut is, the harder, um, you, the more problems you have surrounding feeding. And it all stems oh. back to feeding. So you get feeding okay. and digestion right, which obviously it ties in with breastfeeding because the, you know all together yeah. um then uh, most babies they they all work mechanically the same they will all sleep yeah so if you get that right that works and yeah. then but if you haven't done a routine you haven't focused on that and you get to the baby stage and that baby stage is four months to six months of not sleeping maybe yeah. then you're they're already set in a routine which you then need to uh completely turn around and wow. that can be difficult depending on the child and how they react to those changes um and what those changes are so if you've co-slept co-slept with your baby for six months and then you're trying to get your baby to sleep through the night by itself and of course that's going to be challenging mm. um so i think you've got you know it's parental influences and the routine that you set set as a parent yeah um, but if, of course, you don't have an understanding of your newborn's digestion, it's very easy to get to that four to six months plus yeah. with sleep habits that, you know, are you're wanting to change at that point. Mm. Um, you know, from a misunderstanding of your newborn's gut and milk supply. Yeah, yeah that would never have even occurred to me, you know, the, the impact of a newborn's gut um, sounds really important. Um, and Charmin, you've obviously worked with a lot of women and again, women obviously are going through a lot of stress as well as men um, at that newborn stage. Would you say there are any kind of typical kind of destructive inner voices that women are experiencing when they're new, you know, when they have a newborn? Are there any kind of typical monologues that and fears and anxieties that go through most women's minds? Yeah, I think there's quite a few. I think um, being a good mum, worry is massive, of course. Yeah. Am I doing it right? Why doesn't my body work as it's supposed to work? Yeah. Um, you know, especially surrounding breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. Um and uh, yeah, I think when you become a mum, you you are that's it. You you're born with a lifetime of worry basically and how yeah. you manage that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a typical monologue, which is, um, I, you know, my body isn't breastfeeding. Why can't I breastfeed? Even those that are successfully breastfeeding, I think because women expect to be then presented with a milk supply and it all just, you know, happen, um, you know, instinctively and it doesn't. And when that doesn't happen, they then put a lot of pressure on themselves. Yeah. Um, so it's just kind of talking them down and explaining that it's perfectly normal, you know, yeah. Um, 
and lots of sleep, which helps Definitely. change that monologue around. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's nice to hear you normalise that because it must feel so unfamiliar when you do, especially when you have your first child and there must be so much pressure. And I know lots of my clients, um, often the most brilliant people, you know, have quite a binary outlook on life. You know, I'm not perfect. I'm not doing it perfectly. And that just causes so much stress, doesn't it? You know, you don't mm. have to be perfect. You just have to, oh, just try your best and recognise that, yeah, it's okay to struggle really, isn't it, at times? Well, yeah, but I think our lives are so busy, aren't they? And it, they, I mean, just with everything um, and having it all as a woman, I think there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, but the, the reality is when you have a newborn baby, in that first two months, it is all consuming. You have snippets where you can shower and, oh um, you know, wow. <laughs> make yourself some food, let alone keeping your house immaculate, seeing your friends yeah. and socialising. It's just too much and you have to realise you can't you can't have it all. You need to look after yourself and you need to take a step back. Yeah. Um and it is it is challenging, but it's it's temporary. I always say the newborn stage is the establishing stage. Yeah. So if you can if you get through that newborn establishing stage and you come out the other side, your yeah. baby is then sleeping through the night and then you everything becomes a lot more efficient and easier. Yeah. And during the newborn stage, it's, it's difficult because your feeds can take quite a long time. You're still establishing lactation. You're still establishing uh, your baby's digestion, sucking development, which all speeds up once you get to the sort of baby stage of four months plus. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you can't, you can't do it all. And um, I think understanding that and you know, it's okay not to have an immaculate house. It's okay to say no to visitors yeah. and to have a rest. Yeah, I love that boundaries because yeah. um, I'm I think I remember some friends saying that that it's overwhelming because everyone wants to come around and see the baby, and also yeah. friends who have said no one actually stops to say how are you. It's all just like oh god, he's wonderful, and you know that just wouldn't have I wouldn't have known that unless I'd sort of got that intel really from friends. It's um challenging, isn't it? It's so it's so exhausting because yeah. you know just an hour visit from someone can zap your energy for the whole day. Yeah. You've had a major operation. Your body is going through so much. Yeah. Um, and it takes it out of you. Totally. Uh, but you just see you see women sort of just bouncing back and out with their buggies and you know I mean it's not reality really. You have to yeah. you have to look after yourself. Absolutely. I sometimes think it's um, a bit like sex sex education at school, you know, um, it's helpful, but it'd be much better, I think, in many ways to be taught about what a healthy relationship looks like. Um, and similarly with parenting, you know, you go to antenatal classes, learn how to breathe properly during labour, but sometimes I think, crikey, it'd be so good to have workshops on all the stuff you're talking about, you know, and here are some of the pain points and this is how you can manage them and these are some things you might be thinking and this is how you can try and sort of support your own well-being. Hmm. Anyway. Yes, I mean, you're not in control of the birth, are you? You can yeah. try to as much as possible, but it is what it is. Yes. Yeah. You know, uh, the next month is quite an important um, month to get your head around and um, have more information on. Definitely. And, um, sure, I mean, I'm sure it's the same with you as it is with me, that most, most of my clients are absolutely delightful. And then occasionally I might have a slightly more, how can I put it, challenging client how do you choose your clients? And, and do you have a sense when you meet someone of whether they're going to be someone that you're going to gel with or whether you're like, actually, I'd rather just bypass this experience? Oh, yeah. Well, I try I try as much as I can. And 
because most of my clients maternity wise are referrals mm -hmm. it means that i'm generally going into the same type of person That's which good. is great for me yeah really but good. every now and again i had um someone that i've thought oh, i've met so i used to meet everyone and i used to go and sort of go and see their their setup and how how everything was and get a feel for them before I took them on since COVID I haven't been able to do that yeah. so I really do have to make sure that everyone uh, have a few chats with people to make sure that they're uh, my kind of person and they are a routine person of course that's really important oh, if yeah. you're not this isn't going to work for you and as yeah. you know we've all got there's different parenting um, styles and you know this really does have to be your parenting style for you to uh, to book me but um um, there was one I remember. So I worked with this lovely girl in the Cotswolds, Abigail, and she on her third baby. So I've worked with her three times, and mm -hmm. I absolutely loved her. I got on so well with her. Um, and she'd sent this lady through who I met in London. And I remember coming away from from meeting and thinking and i remember actually physically stopping in the street going i don't know about this yeah i'm not quite sure about this this isn't right and i thought well, it doesn't matter because yeah. it came through abigail and she's lovely it's all going to be fine yeah. anyway it turns out that they met in a bar on holiday mm. and <laughs> yeah it wasn't it wasn't the best experience but i too i do try and make sure that we have uh yeah, I, I've you know it has to work both ways. Whether you know I'm right for them and they're Definitely. right for me, and you learn as you go, don't yeah. you? I think um, yeah, you learn to trust your instincts, don't you? For sure, um, absolutely. Do you, do you find there are any common misconceptions about your job, Charmian? Because you're the first sort of sleep consultant, a kind of maternity support that I'd met. Do you find, for example, Elmi, my sister, gets a lot of oh, interior design sounds so fun, and and I always say actually um, it's really basically like glamorized project management and is really stressful. Do you find that you you um you know lots of difficult clients and third parties and things that go wrong that she'll get the blame for when she has no control? Do you find um that you come across misconceptions like that about what you do? Uh yes, I think um uh I think a lot of, some parents would think that I do everything for them uh -huh. and uh, that it's sort of a guarantee that I will come in and their baby will sleep through the night. Yeah. Um and that's not obviously the case as mm -hmm. we just discussed it's the teaching you've got to do it yeah um and i think um i think from the outside especially when you look at my book and what i'm about i think because you know my routine has babies sleeping really well from such a young age mm. i think a lot of people will think that i may be leaving babies to cry or they're not that you're not being fed properly yeah and actual that's that's what i'm doing is absolutely no crying whatsoever and yeah. uh these babies are thriving um um and doing really well i'm just setting up really good sleep habits for the future so yeah. um i think there is a lot of misunderstanding on um, my routine yeah i can imagine Definitely. I can certainly mm. say with Felix, and maybe this is partly your your work, he has no problem going to bed. He almost skips up to bed. It's remarkable. I mean, there's, oh, yeah. there's almost no kickback. And I wonder whether that routine is part of it. Oh, I hear that on a regular basis. That, yeah. uh, you know, because you know, parents dip in with me, like, especially at Christmas, and they'll send me snapshots of their five-year-old or 10-year-old or yeah. whatever. And they'll always sort of mention how, you know, like, oh, never had a problem. They've always asked to go to bed. Because they've been so secure and set up with their sleep um, yeah. sleep habits, it's 
you know, it's, it's great. Yeah, absolutely. I do find as well that you, um, the earlier a baby sleeps well through the night, the less um, disturbances they have growing up mm. as well because of the, the stronger the stronger habit that they've got. Totally. I mean, so so many problems mm. later in life do start in childhood, don't they? And I'm sure sleep is no different. Yeah. Remarkable. Um, and I mean, I know that you work with loads of different clients and all babies are different, but if you had to sort of paint like an average picture of what success looks like and um, what's the kind of, in terms of when you go into a home, what's the sort of, what's the kind of typical situation with a baby? Like, is it that they're generally waking up once in the night on day four? Or like if you had to kind of pick like a, a median case study, what would you say? Well, for success? Yeah. Um, I think it's different with every family because not every family, but uh, often they'll sink me out for sleep. But yes. the reality is it can be, you know, with successfully breastfeeding yeah. and the, their goals could change whilst I'm there. It's just I happen to get their baby sleeping at the same time yeah. because it's all part of it. Mm -hmm. So for me, success is... You know, if I've got a, uh, a mother that's not confident with her baby, it's about building confidence, making sure that she's happy, leaving her confidence, that yeah. the routine is working successfully for her. Um, and, it, you know, that could be a baby's just waking up once in the night all, all the way through or even waking twice in the night, but the yeah. focus was on breastfeeding. So it's all about, you know, uh, leaving parents happy, confident, um, yeah. and a thriving content baby amazing whatever that yeah I want a piece of that cake one day sounds great <laughs> um <laughs> and Charmian this is um, a bit of a random one but for anyone who's thinking oh wow I love the sound of what Charmian does what would be your top tips for someone looking to get into your field of work oh lots and lots of experience of yeah. course because it takes years and years to gain a you know an understanding of newborn digestion yeah. and lactation because it's not for me sleep consultant this is not I don't, I don't focus on sleep I focus on everything else but first from mm. you know toddler behavior their whole routine what they're eating their stimulation their physical activity yeah. um for newborns it's it's the same it's their whole routine it's all those little micro tweaks that you make yeah. um, and making sure that you meet your baby's daily needs that impact sleep. So for someone getting into it, it's not like a sleep training course, maternity nurse course. I would say it's years and years of experience yeah. and a love of children, of course. Yeah, absolutely. So it would sort of involve mm. working with that age group for probably a fairly extensive time before you could contemplate moving into that field. Just in case anyone's thinking well, I'm going to do well, that and I've never worked with children. <laughs> well, I think they should because, you know, it's it's one of those things. You learn you learn on the job yeah. all the time. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so just coming to the end now, Shami, and um what's what's this wonderful book? I know I've heard about it, but can you remind us of the title and where people can find it? So it's the seven PM to seven AM sleeping baby routine. Mm -hmm. uh, which is a complete guide to the newborn stage. Yeah. Um, so you can use it for establishing breastfeeding, lactation. You can use it for bottle feeding. You can develop your own routine or you can follow my routine, mm -hmm. which helps encourage um, positive sleep associations and long stretches of sleep. Yeah. And you can buy this on Amazon, iTunes, yep. major bookshops. It's awesome. also available 
overseas as well. I remember you've got some amazing endorsement from somebody very important, um, if I recall, which was extremely um, heartening to read. Oh, that Mike Thompson. How can I forget that name? <laughs> Mike Thompson. <laughs> yeah. So watch out for that one if you grab the book. Um, and Charmian, what's next for you? You mentioned, you know, maybe um, moving into a more of an online model. What, yeah, what's what's coming up next? Uh, what's, coming up, what's coming up next is the uh, Wean Into Sleep book. So mm. I'm just finalising that at the moment. Wow. So that is the next step from uh, my book, which is handles um, sleep uh, regression. Mm. And in the months from four to six, whilst um, introducing weaning, a weaning routine and sleep issues from four months to toddler, basically. Wow. That book sounds yeah. like a must um, anything else that you wanted to share about sort of what's on the horizon, all things Charmian? Um, well, I might be putting up some weaning, uh, weaning tutorials on my website. Oh, wow. Hopefully that'll be coming up soon. Um, and maybe a few more parenting packages. Brilliant. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we will see. I'm pretty busy at the moment. It's very hard to keep yeah. everything you know, totally. juggling with writing books, I bet. Um, Instagram whilst physically working. I'm finding that quite challenging, but yeah. it's it's just moving at a bit of a slower pace. Yeah, I remember um, you were booked up when my sister wanted to use you again. So that's definitely a reminder for people to get in touch with you as soon as possible if they want to work with you. Um, and in terms, yeah. of your, in terms of your website and Instagram, um, where can people find you? What, what are the links? Um, so on Instagram, it's the sleeping baby routine, nice. or you can put in my name, Charmian Mead. Mm -hmm. And my website is the sleeping baby routine. Love that. So catchy. Um, and mm. I think the final question, Charmian, is if you had to define what success means to you um, in life, what would you say? Um, success to me is doing a job that I love and making a difference for all these lovely families and helping them getting set up, that is success. I, when, I, when I'm traveling back and forth from a client, I'm always thinking about, especially on a Friday, I'm traveling back and I'm always thinking about, I always go through the week and how well they're coping and how well I've done and if I can do anything better because I just, you know, making a difference to someone's um, start of life is hugely rewarding. Yeah. Um, so that's success. My book is success to me. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's... I'm very impressive. That's it so far. And you've got another one coming. Amazing, Charmian. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Was there anything that we haven't covered that you wanted to share? No, I think we've covered everything, haven't we? I think so, yeah. I think we've covered so a lot. So far. Absolutely. So thank you so much for coming um, coming on, Charmian. It's been a delight to talk to you and I very much oh, hope, lovely to speak to you too. hope to be able to um, use you myself um, one day. hope so. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> you take care, Charmian, and um, hopefully we'll chat again soon. Okay, lovely. Lovely speaking with you. You too. Bye.